This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie. For the first Sunday of the regular season, the NHL season is underway. We are coming at you every week, and we are so excited to have Julian on every week, even though, man, there's a lot of things, a lot of check just boxes to check on your week, dude. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad we locked you in early. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you guys had the foresight, I guess. But, uh, man, I, I wouldn't miss it for the world, man. Weekly chats with the homie. Justin Cuthbert, another one of us uh, who's had the opportunity to host a radio show on Sportsnet Fan 590 in mm. Toronto. We, we both have that in common now. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't miss it for the world to host. Uh, well, not host, but to, to be on these shows with you, my man. Oh, we had you on because they wanted to make me feel comfortable and comfortable. I felt with Julian McKenzie on last week. But let's talk about I appreciate this show that and what's yes. going on. In the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Uh Busy first four or five days, like a lot of stuff that we can get into. And I think we got to start with ESPN and TNT. Obviously, it was the the big rollout for these now competing networks in the United States. Unfortunately, we don't get to see all of it. And I had to like send a message to a PR guy to be like, hey, can I can I uh, watch that pregame show with Charles Barkley? I'd really like to see really? it because I don't know if we're going to be able to get to see a lot of what they do because, you know, the NHL package is what it is, and it kind of just starts when the game starts and you don't get the, the pregame, but that's okay. We'll find a way to get Chuck in our life, and we'll find a way to get both the ESPN and TNT panels into our lives, and we'll see more and more of it, I'm sure. But from what you saw from these two networks, uh, what were your first impressions? First off, I didn't even know that was a possibility where you could reach out, reach out to their PR people uh, to get that sort of thing. I should have probably done that because... In order to watch anything interesting from both panels, uh, from ESPN and TNT, you pretty much have to wait until any of their clips come up on social media. So all the funny Charles Barkley stuff where he looks at Wayne Gretzky and he's like, you got beat up by a guy with a perm, which is absolutely hilarious. We had to wait until social media surfaced that clip and started sharing that around. And I thought that was hilarious. I mean, just off of what I saw from ESPN's presentation and, and TNT's presentation, ESPN is is going into this thinking, hey, we're ESPN. You already know who we are. You already know our standards for how we present sports. That's how we're going to do it for the National Hockey League. And already with the commentary teams that they have, uh, they they had that standard upheld. I'll say this for Sean McDonough and, and Ray Ferraro. They're both really professional uh, broadcasters, obviously. I think in their first game, Pittsburgh-Tampa Bay, they might have been a little bit tentative. John Bujagras, however... Uh, and Brian Boucher and I think AJ Malesko in the uh, the Seattle Kraken uh, Vegas game that yeah. was amazing and I think the game the way that that game went that also kind of helped with some of the nerves you if if you're going through an exciting game you want to match that intensity and we'll get to Seattle later but I was really amped to hear these teams go at it uh, in terms of calling the game and the way the game was presented whereas with TNT. I, I think because of the formula that they had for basketball games, especially with their intermission panels where uh, they're able to just do fun stuff. And I think they just tried to replicate that with Liam McHugh and, and Wayne Gretzky. And of course the inclusion of Charles Barkley as well. Anything's going to be fun when you have Chuck in there. I love him uh, trying to wear goalie equipment and seeing him take <laughs> shots for Wayne Gretzky. That's fun. It seems as if like, maybe it's a bit of an early judgment, but TNT is going to try to be the more fun one, but that doesn't make ESPN's presentation any less. 
Yeah, I mean, I think both brands sort of stuck their, to their identities, which I really, really liked. Uh, if you told me that beforehand, though, I would have been like, wow, TNT. I mean, I, I don't know if you should be going that route, but I actually think they were really, really effective in what they were trying to do, which was just to simply have fun. And it was very deliberate and it was very smart on their behalf to get Charles in there because he's a friend of Wayne Gretzky's. He's going to be natural and fun on camera regardless of who he's with. And it worked really, really, really well. I mean, you mentioned the perm. I mean, I think one of the things that worked the best um, from TNT was the fact that they really tried to humanize Gretzky right off the bat. Now, there was a yeah. lot at the start. It was like, uh, you know, deferring to Gretzky. But once Barkley got on there, everyone just started making fun of Wayne Gretzky. And for that show to work, he has to be like Shaq or Chuck. And he has to be somewhat self-deprecating. And I was worried when they had him on. It's like, who's ever going to step to Wayne Gretzky? But when you got Charles Barkley there and he opens that door, everybody else started to walk right through it. Them making fun of Wayne's sweater vest throughout the entire broadcast was very, very funny. <laughs> and Wayne Gretzky's not going to be like a stand-up comic. He's not going to have those laugh-out-loud moments. But the fact that they were able to incorporate those like you know, just user tweets, stuff that people are talking about, just like they do on Inside the NBA, and people making fun of Bissonette or making fun of Tockett or whatever, or making fun of Wayne's Wayne's vest, they sort of had the, you know, those laugh out loud into break moments, which I would have never figured they'd have right off the bat. And if they keep doing that, then we're going to see way more moments, whether you have to talk to TNT's PR person to get them or on social media where we're going to see them just have a grand old time. And it, it looks as if they have the right chemistry with some of the guys that they have. And, you know, also shout out to their play by play teams as well. I don't remember them all off the bat, but I know Kenny Albert's doing some stuff with them as well. They have a pretty solid team uh, covering the NHL and I'll give them props for this between them and ESPN. They have the better score bug. Like I, I love the mm. design and they have a shot counter. And I, I, I don't mean to go inside baseball The score bug, obviously the scoreboard, which you see on TV, We've been spoiled over the last few years watching games and knowing how many shots are given between each side. Like, I don't think you could do what ESPN is doing right now and have a game where you're like, okay, well, we know what the score is, but I have no clue if, like, you know, this team is up to nothing. Those are the only two shots they've had all game. I know they tried to show the shots at different points and they yeah. hide it, like, not too long after, but, like, nah, keep it up. Keep, keep it up there because I think in this day and age, of information, the more we're able to know during a game, the better. Obviously, you have to do it in some sleek ways where it's not, you know, taking up the entirety of the screen. But ESPN shouldn't shouldn't stray away from showing us more and more information and letting it stay there. And TNT, at least from what I've seen so far, they've been willing to do that. Speaking of sleek, uh, we won't get into Sportsnet's changes if there are. Well, there there are a couple changes, but their new graphics, beautiful. And the guys that are like, they're all wearing like beautiful suits now. Like they just decided to be really stylish. You know, there's one guy in the play-by-play booth who's not stylish at all, but we'll just see if he ever comes around on that. Um, let's, he didn't take want, any tips from you. Oh, I, I definitely don't have it either. I def, he's got a, he's got a hook up with Sean McKenzie. That's, that's probably the only chance. Anyway, no relation, TNT, by the way, no relation, uh, not at all. Neither to Bob, right? No. He's my brother. He, 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 he's <laughs> apparently a brother from another mother, but that's as far as it goes, apparently. Okay. Okay. I mean, maybe you, there's, you know, he can welcome you into the family at any point, but we'll see if we ever get I there. I think so. Anyway, uh, sorry for cutting you off. No, it's all good. Uh, TNT. I'll, I'll just try to like uh, tie up my thoughts and we can move over to ESPN a little bit. I know we've been jumping around here, but you mentioned the, just the end game. Very professional, right? It's like it's NBC retreads. Uh, I don't mean retread in a in too negative a tone, but it's it's just professional broadcasters that can stand in and give you a good call at the game, which is exactly what they have for NBA, where it's two sort of different feels. It's a very professional broadcast, and then it's hijinks in the panel. And I think that sort of gives you a best of both worlds scenario because I don't really want silliness during the game, but I do welcome it into the intermissions. Uh, for ESPN... Um, you know, the panel didn't stand out as much. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I am like a little reluctant to be a media critic, even though I acted like one writing this week. Uh, but their panel, certainly not as strong. But the game, I think it's in safe hands because, you know, when you got Ray Ferraro, when you've got someone as quality as Sean McDonough, you're going to figure it out. Sean McDonough, it wasn't the, the, you know, it wasn't the best first game, 
But I think that had a lot to do with the fact that it was a terrible game. And it's hard to call your first hockey game in a long time when you're used to doing college football in front of raucous audiences. And all of a sudden, it's a stinker between the Lightning and Penguins. So you have to give them a little bit of room to grow uh, into that. But as you mentioned, I think you mentioned, or I've heard you say it before, John Bojigras on the second game was so, so entertaining. If we're going to do late night doubleheaders, it had almost a late night feel. It was a bit different, right? It was a little off the cuff and his calls were tremendous. And I thought that broadcast in particular was very, very good. But the ESPN standard, that's what I noticed the most. Were they going to live up to the standard with hockey? Are they going to put all the investment in? And I think we saw that with Justin Bieber telling the story of the NHL on ESPN theme right away. I mean, that is high profile stuff. And that's what we need hockey to have more of. That was the sort of perfect introduction for me. I'll just say this about the NHL on ESPN song. It is highly underrated. Like I know we have the the music for Sportsnet and TSN has the, you know, da, 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 but like the mm-hmm. NHL on ESPN theme, criminally underrated. I didn't realize how much I missed it until they started playing it over and over and over. I don't know if you ever played the, uh, the NHL 2K games when they were under the ESPN branding like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. they were like inferior, obviously, to the NHL EA sports games. But the NHL 2K games, the music would just play over and over and over. And you're like, you know what? This is actually a good song. So, yeah, the presentation and, and the standard from them, I mean, it, it's going to be there. Uh, I'm trying to think. Of, you're right. The panelists didn't necessarily stand out as much. I am still kind of surprised that John Tortorella, I understand, you know, he's, he's not really in, in a job right now, but he ended up there. I kind of thought he was going to swear off doing media stuff after the whole TSN experiment from a few years ago, but maybe it's because he doesn't have to worry about doing the quiz. That's why he signed <laughs> on with ESPN, but yeah. uh, he's looked as if he's been great. Uh, and I know we'll touch off on this later, but uh, when they were talking about uh, uh, Matisse Kivalex uh, from the, uh, the now deceased former goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets, seeing yeah. his emotion with Emily Kaplan and John Bouchagrasse, uh, that was a really touching moment, and it was good for them to approach that matter in the way that they did. Uh, and, and that was really, you know, obviously it's sad what happened, but it was really cool to see uh, genuine emotion from those panelists when they were tackling that subject. I know that was later in the week, but it, it's it's good to see that the standard from ESPN is what it is with the National Hockey League. And it, it's going to be good to see. The only thing we're missing now is Stephen A. Smith crashing the panel every now and get, yeah. uh, now and again. And, and seeing if he could provide some perspective on, I don't know, see a, a Chicago Blackhawks game or or another prominent U.S. franchise like that. I think when it gets to that point where Stephen A. Smith just like crashes the set and he starts giving up some point about how like Austin Matthews hasn't scored in three, four games. What <laughs> is this brother doing? Like that's that's what it's going to really get interesting for me. Yeah, I think there's room to up the entertainment value on the ESPN side with their like panelists and with their commentators. And I think Stephen A. stepping in would provide uh, a lot of that. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Emily Kaplan because I think that's one of the more innovative things that they're trying to do over there with having, you know, n- uh, you know, a, a sort of prototypical sideline reporter in that they're not talking between whistles. They're being brought in to give you some offbeat color whether it's you know it's not between, it's not the stuff that we're seeing on the ice but it's what may be happening on the sidelines or behind the scenes and i think that's very very interesting because it's not something it's not you know splitting the atom by any any stretch of the imagination but it's not something we normally see in hockey and i think you know we saw her write about you know it was it was the exact story that came into my head when you think about the espn being on uh, or the NHL being on ESPN was, okay, let's profile Austin Matthews. That it seemed like a layup at yeah. the time. But if they're doing a Leaf game and she just wrote about Austin Matthews and you can provide one of those nuggets that's from the story or from your conversations with him instead of, hey, this is, you know, this is how Matthews created that goal with a forecheck. Like if, we, if you give us something that's off the ice in those moments, I think that could work very, very well. And then they don't try to repeat that with the second broadcast, it's just AJ Malesko between the benches doing that typical between the bench stuff where she's, you know, coming in uh, between every whistle and discussing the game uh, very actively with that team. I think it's cool how they just put people in position to succeed and to profile someone like Kaplan, who's obviously their top NHL insider. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. They're playing to their strengths there. Instead of having Emily Kaplan uh, try to be AJ Malesko or any other uh, normal analyst that they would have, well, quote unquote, normal analyst that they would have between mm-hmm. the boards, play to her strengths. She's a reporter and she's very good at being on camera. 
So the fact that she's able to provide that perspective, I think that's going to be a, a welcome addition for ESPN broadcast going forward. They go to Emily Kaplan. She's been having a pretty big year with all the stuff she's been doing with ESPN. She's appearing on Around the Horn as well. Like Emily Kaplan's having herself a really good 2021. She even hosts a Chelsea FC official podcast. Uh, so if there's anyone competing for you in terms of like breadth of job, it might be Emily, <laughs> it might be Emily Kaplan. She has a podcast with Linda Cohn too, or is that just Linda Cohn's podcast? Yeah, I, I believe uh, I believe they're both on it together. Yeah, it's the ESPN's NHL podcast, I believe. Uh, another hockey podcast to compete with Julian. It's tough. Jesus, man, like it's just the market is so saturated. It's crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Uh, okay, so part of that, uh, you know, ESPN release and the new broadcasters was the Seattle Kraken's first game. They were in Vegas. Uh, They lost in Vegas in their first ever game. They followed that up with a win against the Nashville Predators in Nashville. We're still waiting for the Seattle Kraken's uh, home debut. And then over the weekend, most recently, uh, they lost in overtime to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So three points through three games. Uh, They sort of seen it all to to start. I mean, the most difficult barn to play in probably on opening night, Vegas. Uh, They saw a kicked in puck. You know, so the rules, I mean, come against them. So the rules are already a little confusing. And we know that there's quite a few primers out there being written. So already those primers are a little bit confusing. But that's only natural in the NHL. Um, So a loss in Vegas, a win in Nashville, obviously uh, an important moment for the franchise. And Nashville took the opportunity to raise another banner to the Raptors. And then, of course, they finally got into overtime and suffered a loss. So lots happened with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, what stands out to you? Uh, the fact that I'm not completely surprised that they have the results that they have. I, I think uh, we, we've talked about how the division, uh, well, it's been said before that the division that they're in isn't necessarily going to be as uh, competitive as, you know, the Atlantic division or even the metropolitan division or even the central for that matter. Uh, so the fact that they're able to get the points that they're able to get, I think they're going to put themselves in a decent position going forward. Uh, Morgan Geeky uh, is a guy I'm still thinking of because of that shot that he had in that opening night game against the Vegas Golden Knights. He takes the puck up the wing and beats Robin Leonard. I still don't know where that puck went. And John Butchagras is saying, holy shnikey. I thought he was going to say, holy shit. But uh, (laughs) I realized I did not watch the movie Tommy Boy. So I had no clue where the reference was. But that was an incredible shot. And I think Mm -hmm. one thing we're going to realize from these Seattle Kraken players pretty much like what we did with the Vegas Golden Knights is we're going to see a lot of guys on this team who we were like, I have no clue who this guy is. And then you're going to realize, oh, hey, wait a minute. That's why they were taken in the expansion draft because Morgan Geeky all of a sudden is a guy that I'm, I'm thinking of. And I'm like, OK, like I did not know this guy had this crazy of a shot and he's out here killing it in these games. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, three points from three games, that's sort of probably what we'd expect. I know the line or the expected total was like 92 and a half or something, and that's potentially playoffs. That's playoff bubble. But, you know, an 82-point season it may not be out of the realm of possibility. They're probably going to do a little bit better than that based on how they've performed and how they can grow into their role but mm-hmm. role in the league. But I just feel like, yeah, this is sort of the team. It's going to be win one, lose one. It's going to be uh, have good nights where that talent is showcased and other nights where it's going to be more difficult when you run into a very good team. I think uh, a performance against Vegas in which they had, they fell behind 3 nothing and found their way back into that game before uh, eventually losing before regulation was up. I mean, that's just a quality performance and a good start and something that uh, that fans can at least dig into and believe a little bit in their team following that up with a win. You know, this team is three games on the road and it's shown out pretty well. Uh, I think one thing that stands out to me is that their best two players so far, Brandon Tenev and Jared McCann, I think, were Penguins last year. So that makes Pittsburgh yeah. start without Malkin and Crosby and those two players a little bit more impressive. But yeah, I just think this is probably as expected an average team. I think some people would say, yeah, they were going to go to the play. They were going to go to the playoffs. They were going to compete for the Pacific division. Others thinking they were terrible. It's definitely something uh, in between. The one thing for me is the goaltending. Like we've seen Grubauer three straight games. I think I'm going to complain about goaltending with Seattle all season long because I mean, I think they had the guy in Chris Drieger and then you kept him on the bench for the first three games. And we've only had like what, five nights of the season. So they're playing every other night. Like, could probably mix in a little Drieger on the road because I think Philip Grubauer might just be like the team and might just be sort of an average goaltender who was the benefit of playing in Colorado last year. But 
eh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but all, yeah, just the fact that if you have Chris Drieger, who we all saw what he did in Florida, he was pretty decent, and, and Philip Grubauer is Philip Grubauer. Like Seattle, if they really run those goalies right, you have yourself a really good 1A, 1B tandem in that. So, yeah, that is strange that they would have Philip Grubauer go for all those games. I can't imagine what Chris Drieger is feeling. I, 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 I mean, you know what? I'm not him, but I would have thought if I was him, I would be going into this year being, you know what, I'm the starter. And then Philip Grubauer comes in and you're like, wait, wait a minute. I thought I was going to get it. I mean, even the money he was getting, you'd think, okay, well, that's that's not a bad money for a starter in the National Hockey League. And now he's found himself in a position where he's going to be riding pine to, to another goaltender, a capable goaltender in Philip Grubauer. But it would be cool to see Seattle kind of run those two goalies back and forth. And that might actually help their cause going forward. But sometimes I, I get it. Some teams like the consistency having one guy to think of as opposed to two, but they have two really capable goaltenders that they could probably run. Yeah. And if you drink, I mean, you sign a think a three-year extension or a three-year contract when you got to Seattle and then they signed Grubauer for six and you're thinking you have your platform, your launch point to having a great career. And now you're pretty clearly uh, not even a one B you're, you're a two at least to start this year. So we'll see what happens. I think there's room for, for things to change a little bit there, but I think what we know, we know what we're going to get from Seattle. I think they're going to be a game team. And I think they're going to give people fits, but also I think their ceiling might be fairly fixed, but maybe it's too early to make those calls. Okay, let's move on to just whatever's top of mind. Uh, I wrote down here that I'm going to ask you, are the Habs the worst team in the league after an 0-3 start? So I, I can let you go on that in terms of what stands out through four or five nights here in the regular season, but it, you can take this any way you want. Uh, but eventually uh, you're going to have to answer that question if the Habs are the worst team in the league. Okay. Um, geez, they are perhaps the worst team in the league. I mean, they they lost to a team that we all thought was going to be the worst team in the league. So <laughs> yep. you know the what? The two and zero Buffalo Sabers, though, they might be pretty good. <laughs> the best no. team in the National Hockey League right now is the Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know what? I, I'll start off with them because that game, that first game for them this season, like where they beat the Montreal Canadiens, they deserve to win that game. They came oh, yeah. out and they were like, you know what? We're just going to work hard. We're going to work our butts off. We're going to dominate them as best as we can. And they did it. And like, they looked great. I don't think it's going to be sustainable over 82 games. But if nothing no. else, like if you're the, yeah, no way. If you're the Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But yeah, Buffalo Sabres fans, at the very least, uh, and I think Kyle Pozo had said this, Kyle Pozo looks good for like the first time in two, three years, by the way, or maybe even longer than that. But anyway, Kyle Pozo was saying that, uh, you know, every night the team is going to try to at least, you know, show effort. And I think with the fans, they know the team doesn't have the pieces to compete. If they get effort, at least it'll make this season salvageable. And if Jack Eichel gets traded, I think that's also a bit more important considering how he has kind of lingered over the franchise. I think Elliot Friedman was saying yesterday that, uh, Colorado was supposed to be involved in a deal, but like the Buffalo showed no interest in retaining salary. So like, Ugh. this is just a complete mess. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, Buffalo right now. It's not fun to be a Sabres fan. So if the games at the very least are somewhat, if the players show effort, if they show something, it could at least be a bit salvageable. And the fact that they've got the two wins in the bank that they have, you know, it, it, it for at least one fleeting moment, it can feel, you can feel good being a Buffalo Sabres fan. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Dwayne, the guy who made that funny uh, phone call about the Sabres, about the knockoff jerseys all those years mm -hmm. ago. I think he has a podcast. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it feels pretty good to be Dwayne right now. 
Yeah, I mean, whatever happens, they'll always have this half week way that where they jumped out to a two and zero record. I think they have seven goals for and just two against. They're just they're just behind Florida on a technicality, just because Florida scored more goals thus far. But both are two and zero and seated seated atop the Atlantic Division. Who would have ever thought the Buffalo Sabers would ever ever be in that position? But you know, the Montreal Arizona start was at least somewhat favorable. In terms of things that stand out for me, uh, you know, the New York Islanders being 0-2, minus seven goal differential. They lost to two good teams in Florida and Carolina, but still unexpected. And I don't think they played till Tuesday. So Barry Trotz is going to have a lot of time to stew over this. I think it's Chicago. They just might blow the absolute doors off Chicago uh, to start next week. And we might see the Islanders get back to being the Islanders. I think the Edmonton Oilers look quite good. I mean, lots of attention, obviously, to those forwards that we always talk about. But... It's a really solid forward group. And I think a guy like Derek Ryan, you know, no tension paid to him at all in the offseason, but maybe one of the underrated additions this offseason. He just does a lot of things that no Oiler ever does, which is like play smart defensive hockey and kill penalties and be trusted on in big situations. So I think they made a, a, a quality move there. Jack Hughes' stick toss was the best thing I've not just seen this season, but perhaps ever. That was awesome and something Amazing. we definitely need more of. Uh, it's just one win over Chicago, but New Jersey looks like it could have potential, if not just be very, very exciting. And Jack Hughes may be primed for a big breakout season. But the number one thing for me is like, what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets? It's only two games and two losses in California to Anaheim and San Jose. Penalty killing, just getting torched. I mean, this is a hellbuck looking shaky. This is a team that I had a lot of, uh, you know, hope for. I believe they could potentially go to, you know, an Eastern or a Western Conference final, really compete this year, and that's still possible, obviously. But they've looked really shaky out of the gate, and I'm I'm kind of uh, uh, unsure why. Mark Shifley obviously missing the first game with suspension, but this team you'd think would have been just bursting at the seams to get going, uh, and it's just been a really tough start for them. I just want to say about the Winnipeg Jets core, like if they don't do it this year, like I, I don't know if I could believe in this team anymore. I, I think they have a the great crop of forwards. They improved their defense this year. They should have the best goaltender in the league in Connor Hellebuck. And this is a mm-hmm. team that it, it's not as if they're, they're trying to make playoff runs like happen for them. They've been to the playoffs before. It's, it's, it's the standard in Winnipeg right now with the core that they had. If they can't find a way to at least get to the third round this year, I'm not sure how much I can truly believe in this team anymore. That that's just maybe it's just a bit of a reactionary take. And I understand it's really early in the year, but the Winnipeg Jets and the and the talent that they have, this should be a team that should be able to go far this year. They like no excuses this year. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I, I'm just uh, you'd think there'd be that urgency, right? You'd think that'd be the urgency, right? To get two gettable teams at Anaheim and San Jose. Maybe they are better than. Uh, I or others are giving them credit for, but still uh, just not the start that we probably envisioned. Um, You have avoided it to this point, but uh, let's get a little bit of a deep dive, your opinion on Montreal before we move on to the Charlie McAvoy and Brady Kachuk contracts. They do not look good. They Their defense looks slow. Uh, their opponents have found ways to neutralize some of their better forwards and particularly on the power play, which they still do not have a power play goal to this point. The Canadians do not look good. I know it's three games, but they do not look good. One stat that has been burning in my head all week uh, from my colleague Arpin Basu. I think only like 15 teams or a number of teams have started the year 0-3 over the last five seasons, and only four of them have made the playoffs, and two of them were Chicago and Minnesota who made the playoffs thanks to the pandemic. Like, it's pretty dire. I, I mean, maybe it's a bit of a of a maybe it's a bit much to say it's dire, but I think if you've watched all three of these Canadians games to this point, three goals in in one in each of those games, two of them coming from Jonathan Drouin, who good on him. I still think he'll be the good feel good story of the year because of the fact he's been able to play in light of all the anxiety uh, issues that he's been dealing with. But nothing from Nick Suzuki, nothing from Cole Caulfield. Mike Hoffman's still not in the lineup yet. There's a lot left to be desired for the Montreal Canadiens. They do not look good to start off. And that Buffalo Sabres loss, I think, might be one of the more embarrassing performances this team has put on in quite some time. Uh, they've shown that they have tried their absolute best to play up to competition, but when it comes to playing, but it comes to teams that are supposed to be lesser than them, they just 
I don't know what it is. They play down and they lose to that competition. It's been happening for the last few years. And it's come back again. Like, this Canadian team, through three games, they definitely look like among the worst teams in the National Hockey League. It is three games, but uh, it, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I mean, we discussed expectations with Winnipeg and how they might approach the season. You know, maybe there's naturally a, a bit of a letdown after going to the Stanley Cup final and uh, not winning it. Uh, we see teams that go to the Stanley Cup final return the next season and do not, you know, mat- or meet expectations or even come close to uh, having the same success. But you'd think with things that have happened with Carey Price, um, you know, Shea Weber leaving, that there might be some, you know, groundswell of, okay, let's, you know, let's step up here. We have to step up because we're missing these guys and uh, and we need to be better if we're going to have success this season. And, and I don't know if that inspiration or ambition has been shown so far. I'll say this. I think because of their the fact that those two guys are gone and Phil know as well, I don't know if they're really able to play that same style that that worked for them in the playoffs as well, or or just they're being exposed. I guess it's just and that's not to say Jake Allen hasn't played well. I think he's played just fine in the two of the three games that the team has played so far. Uh, Shea Weber, I think the fact that teams are able to kind of have their way in the blue paint, like he, he would definitely be needed. But even at that, like this defense has needed to become more mobile. Uh, Jeff Petrie and David Savard are way too slow out there and they're constantly getting burned by opposing players. Uh, they needed some more reinforcements at the back end and even some of their younger guys like Alexander Romanov, who last year, like in his first season at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were looking at him and saying, hey, you know what? He has the tools. He could be it. He's been shaky to start off the year. I, I, I think the defense has been the weakest point for this Montreal Canadiens team. And I think the fact that uh, even though having Carey Price would make a bit of a difference, even if they kept Philip Deneau would make a bit of a difference, I think keeping Corey Perry would have also made a bit of a difference as well. I, I think there are just some other flaws in this team that Mark Bergman should have probably addressed to this point uh, to ensure that they wouldn't have a no three start. But then again, it is only three games. Yeah, it's only three games, but this is a big week coming up for Montreal. Uh, you'd know better than me who they have on the schedule um, but, you know, falling behind five games very quickly, five, six games in this division. I mean, we saw Tampa look shaky off the bat. They've responded with two wins. Florida looks like the team that we expect, and Toronto hasn't looked that good. They've been without Austin Matthews, uh, but they have two wins from three games, and Boston won its opener. So things are going to get competitive quick. Even Detroit looks like it wants to be a competitive team this year, uh, and we did. We have mentioned that's Buffalo's 2-0, and but probably don't have to worry too much about Buffalo two major contracts signed uh, in the lead up to the season or as the season has begun uh, two big, big extensions for very, very important players for their organizations. And they both happen to play in the Atlantic division as well. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, I believe it was eight years, $9.5 million a huge, huge deal and really kind of the going rate for elite defensemen in the NHL nowadays, which it's kind of inflated. It seems like it's too much for all these guys, but certainly McAvoy belongs in that category. And then Brady Kachuk, right before the uh, the opener for the Ottawa Senators, signed, I believe, seven years for just over $8 million. He missed the first two games for the Ottawa Senators, but he's going to be back very, very soon and doing Brady Kachuk things. So you can start with McAvoy. What do you think about that deal and uh, what it means for the Boston Bruins? Yeah, I'm with you on the fact that it's it's going along the going rate for elite defensemen of their caliber. We've seen what guys like uh, Dougie Hamilton and, and Seth Jones have gotten in this league. Uh, so I'm not surprised that Charlie McAvoy signed for the deal that he did. And, and Boston puts itself in a situation where they don't have to worry about him going forward. He's going to be a Boston Bruin for the foreseeable future. And yeah, for a guy like him of his caliber, what he's able to do, like I, I like the deal for them. And I like the deal for him as well. I, I don't think it was a bad move. I have questions about the Brady Kachuk move, however. Uh, I still think because with the way power forwards work uh, and the style of play, I know he's going to be a really solid player for them going forward. Uh, you just have to hope that he doesn't get too banged up and it doesn't end up being a, a complete overpay for a guy who might not be able to play every game. But he's definitely someone who the Ottawa Senators need in their lineup. If it got to a point where uh, we're going into November, there's no deal signed, that would be a world of trouble for him and the Ottawa Senators. Well, mostly the Ottawa Senators, I yeah, think. Yeah. He's he's one of the better players on this team, if not their best player. Uh, so it was important for them to be re-signed. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm a bit more hesitant at the number, but it's, it's one of, because of the way the franchise is set up, you kind of have to, the auto centers kind of have to give them that money. 
Yeah, he's a strange one, and I'm not really, you know, not really surprised why it got to this point because Brady Kachuk doesn't really have comparables in the NHL. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't score at a very high rate. I mean, I don't think he's had an excess of 50 points yet. If we yeah. look back at the last two seasons, which were short, and I think he'd probably get over that mark. But this isn't a guy who scores at an eight million dollar level, if you want to put it that way. But he also does things that are just way beyond that. I mean, he's the he's second in shots in the league last year, but also second in hits. And he really is the heartbeat of that team. Like, he is the glue for that entire organization, it seems. So having him in the lineup for the next seven years is unbelievably important for them. I mean, they couldn't get to the point where they signed a three-year deal and then just walked him into a, into a scenario in which he could leave. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if that was if my math is perfect there, but like... You need to find a way to keep him for the long term. And I think they did that with this deal. And I think he's going to grow into a more consistent scorer because we already know he's a force on the ice. But to earn that money, you got to put the puck in the net with regularity. And I think he will be doing that soon enough. With McAvoy, I found this one to be very, very interesting. I mean, on the surface, it is pretty basic. An elite number one defenseman or an elite young up and coming number one defenseman. They make $9.5 million, but it's interesting that he was compared only to others in his category and not to players on his own team. I mean, what's been so special about Boston, how they've been able to be so competitive for so long, is that they have their own internal pay structure. I mean, you don't make more than Patrice Bergeron, because Brad Marchand and Pasternak, they just agree to shuffle in. And he just blew all the numbers out of the water. I mean, it's $6 million, under $7 million for Bergeron and uh, and close to that for the other two perfection line forwards. I mean, this is $3 million more almost than pretty much everybody else is making on that team, which is pretty remarkable considering that, Ber- I mean, lesser, to a lesser extent, Marshawn, but Pasternak just fell in line and took what he could get. Uh, and I, I, I'm sure that there wasn't much of a negotiation. It seems like it got done pretty easily, but maybe that speaks to the importance of McAvoy. Maybe it speaks to things that are changing in Boston with maybe Patrice Bergeron, who was non-committal about next season, maybe moving on and everything's going to change in Boston with this deal because what worked so well was keeping everyone underpaid. And now they've set a completely new bar here with Charlie McAvoy. I didn't even think about that idea. I didn't realize that Charlie McAvoy's salary was going to be way above uh, what the over two and a half million. Over two and a half. That's, re- more than that's really interesting. And I'm at, and I, I mean, it's one thing for for Patrice Bergeron who's at the latter stages of his career, but I wonder what a guy like Brad Marchand or a guy like David Pasternak, who's who's one of the best goal scorers in the National Hockey League, might be thinking at that. Now, and I get their different positions, different players, but. David Pasternak should be making quite a bit of money in the National Hockey League. Definitely. Uh, he definitely should. I mean, the uh, Brad Marchand, I mean, we mentioned Bergeron. He's up next season. Uh, Brad, I think Marchand's still got four years. What a contract that was, I think, at about around six and a half. And Pasternak comes up in two years. So he did give himself an opportunity to probably sign a contract at the peak of his uh, playing ability. Uh, and he'll probably be up around nine and a half. But again, then they get into problems, right? When you have multiple players at nine and a half, ten million dollars, you're gonna get into Toronto Maple Leaf territory where they're bringing up Alex Bishop because they can't do anything, or Alex Bishop being the university U sports goalie for the University of Toronto, bringing him up in an emergency because Justin Hall had the sniffles and there's injuries and they are so tightly bunched against the cap that these situations happen. I'll just open the floor to you on that. What do you think of that situation? Is it still cute for you? These is it? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a gift to Toronto. It's a gift to Toronto reporters who have the opportunity to write that story. You probably only get that once a year, but like I'm kind of getting tired of this. It's 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 Mickey Mouse stuff uh and the league needs to find a solution for like emergency roster movement. I mean, I get there's some provisions in place and the provision was to get him up on an emergency basis, but like we need to find something better than this because eventually it's just not going to be cute and it's going to be like a 15 to two game and some kid who's writing a midterm next week is going to get embarrassed and that's going to be his legacy. Not that he got to take warm up with the Leafs, but because Jack Campbell got hurt and he got absolutely owned by the Ottawa Senators. Like eventually... Mickey Mouse, less Mickey Mouse, more real deal for me. Well, like, then who do you get then? Do you say, okay, like, well, Hutchinson should have just been able to come up. 
Okay, like the mar- fine. Whoever it was. I mean, there might be a situation where you don't have a backup and your team plays five hours away and you can't get them there. I get that. But yeah. Yeah, because you're only maybe so much, just, right? Maybe teams should be able to just carry three goaltenders. Maybe. That could be an idea as well. I mean, I, I think of like what Montreal was going through on Saturday. They, their their AHL team was playing in Belleville the same night. Like if if they were in a situation where they couldn't have an extra goalie, I mean, their goalies would be how many hours away in Belleville, for example, right? Like that would might that might complicate a few things. I, I think I don't necessarily have a problem with the e-bug being the way that it is. If it gets to a point where the guy goes in, then I mean, we'll just have to deal with the consequences then. And from what we've seen so far between Scott Foster and David Ayers, it hasn't gone totally disastrous for the emergency goaltender. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe it's more, uh, maybe I'm not being as preventative as I am, as I could be, but I don't necessarily think it's the the, the biggest deal or the end of the world. I don't know if it's cute either. It's, it's kind of just like funny, I guess, but I don't know. It's a cool story for a guy like Alex Bishop. You know, he, he gets to, ride pine for the Toronto Maple Leafs and live the life of an NHLer for a night. Like it's, there's some fun to that. Like it's, it's cool. It's, it's pretty nice to see. I'm trying to remember which league, I think it's the MLS that has like some kind of like pool of like emergency goaltenders, just in case maybe the NHL should invest in that too. You just get guys, you know, use sports guys or ECHL guys who might not be playing that night. You just have them there and you have them in some kind of like sent like different locations, I guess, where you're able to, tap into them whenever you need and maybe they could be just higher grade than just like a U yeah. sports goalie being signed on an ATO. But I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't I, think I, it's that big of a deal. I think that is the system now because Bishop said exactly. that he could, he could have been David Ayers if it was a couple nights later, like the rotation works out that he was supposed to be there. And I guess that okay. makes sense. I mean, it's a local goalie plays, you know, a decent level of hockey in the area. It all makes sense, but I guess maybe it's just, they should have three goalies on every NHL team because the position is too important and injuries happen. And they already both like you have 20 forwards at not 20 forwards, but a ton of forwards at your disposal. You can deal with three, four, five injuries in a game and it won't really affect you that much, but one goaltender injury. And then it's all of a sudden it's panic because if something else happens, you need to get someone for the rafters to come down to dress so that they have the opportunity to play. Maybe I'm just a little bit bitter still at the David Ayers late night circuit, which I thought was just absolutely ridiculous. You were but bitter at that? I, I, I still think it's really, I just thought I think like, it was really fun. That was it, fun. Was the, it was the worst moment of the season for the team that pay, cuts your checks. Yes. This team pays you to clean the ice, to go on the ice when you know they're down a goalie for practice. They pay you and you are rubbing it in their face on Stephen Colbert and whatever, and James Corden. Oh, come on. And, you wouldn't do the same thing? I mean, it was the worst moment of the season for the team. Was he really rubbing it in, though? Like, he was, like, from what I saw from David Ayers, he's just standing there. He's like, you know, ha, this this was kind of a weird moment. This was awesome for me. Like, I'm, I mean, I understand that, like, okay, he works for the organization and all that. But yeah. here's something else I'll bring up, too. You don't think that Toronto would have stepped in and be like, hey, look, you're embarrassing us right now. Like, I'm surprised they didn't. I'm honestly surprised I'm, they didn't. I mean, yeah, but like David Ayers, it's a great moment. It was but, a great moment for him. It's fun. And it can be turned into a movie now, which I think it is. Exactly. If 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 the Leafs said to me, if after I did that and I was in, I'd be like, okay, I won't clean your ice anymore and I'll just sell my script to whatever, you know, movie. Like, I don't yeah, care. Like, I get that. But like, it was just like, it was so bad for, it's such a bad look on the organization. And then the guy who cleans the ice is just, you know, using it to, you know, monetizing every last second of it. I thought it was a bit of a strange situation. Anyway. Hold on a second. You're an organization who pays Mitch Marner almost $11 million. Were you mad at the guy who who beat who beat him on an on on ATO? I think some of that anger, that bitterness is misplaced. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's misplaced. Uh, no, no doubt. But when there's a book written about the failures of this regime, that David Ayers will have a chapter in it. David Ayers oh, will have a chapter will. in it. Oh, and it, it won't will. be looked, it won't be cute then. We use the word cute. It will not be cute then for Maple Leaf fans uh, who are probably... A little bit sick of the name David Ayers, if if we're being honest. But uh, yeah, the late night circuit has dried up. He's not as hot a commodity, and maybe Alex Bishop has that in his future one day. Okay, let's get a, let's get to the tire pumps.
we're flying through this episode. I guess it should be a little bit under an hour, and we're going to be just a little bit under an hour. I know you have trouble with timing on your shows, so uh, we're doing the best, <laughs> the best, the best we can here. Uh, Julian, get get the pump out. Who you got? Okay. Uh... I was actually you don't, you don't actually. Have to I, had my t- I don't have to do that. Uh, I want to give my tire pump to Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, this year, for whatever reason, we have totally magnified uh, his goal scoring chase with history as he seeks to be the all time leading goal scorer for the National Hockey League. And he's already off to a good start three goals in two games. And uh, he's not too far off from passing Brett Hall to be fourth all time. If he really plays his cards right, he could end the season third behind Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky. Alexander Ovechkin, as far as I'm concerned, if I'm a member of the Washington Capitals, I'm doing everything in my power to ensure that he gets that goal-scoring record. I am feeding him pucks. I'm giving him any typical... Like, if I'm a defenseman, I'm just stretch-passing it to him. Just everyone in that locker room, their goal... It should be to ensure that Alexander Ovechkin is in a position to break that goal-scoring record. I can go in on all the different coaches that he's had in the past, that have slowed his progress towards that mighty record, the Adam Oates of the world, the Dale Hunters of the world, <laughs> but we don't need to do that here on the Iowa Sports Hockey Podcast. Alexander Ovechkin is in a position where he can succeed, and he's still able to score goals, especially from that Ovechkin spot. Like, he, it, it, it's it's the record. That's what I think should be the big story here. And, I mean, it'll still take him a little bit of time for him to get it, but I'm really glad that he still got it and he's still putting himself in a position where he could do it. So he gets the tire pump for me this week. Was it a power play and a shorthanded goal in the opener? I, I, I believe anyway, he's scoring all different ways and he's going to continue scoring from that power play spot. I don't think you have to bemoan previous coaches because he's going to get there. He's going to break Gretzky's record. And what's really cool. And we didn't talk about it when we went through ESPN and TNT is that Wayne Gretzky is going to be there the entire time that this happens. It's going to happen yeah. in the next four or five years. Wayne Gretzky, we think, is going to be on the panel for the next few years at least. Maybe he gets to four or five, six years. And it's going to be cool to track Wayne and Ovechkin through all of this because the Capitals are going to be on TNT a lot. And we're going to have Wayne interviewing Gretzky or, or Gretzky interviewing Ovechkin rather after games like he did in that after that opener where he scored those two goals. Like It's very cool and some tremendous foresight not that you'd ever turn down Wayne regardless, but the fact that he's going to be there is such a little carrot for TNT here. It's so cool that he's going to be talking about the record as it's being broken. And I think there's no doubt uh, Ovechkin's going to get there. I don't know how long it's going to take, but he's going to continue to score 40 goals a season until he gets it. And if even if it gets down to, you know, he's hobbling on one leg and he's scoring five, six, seven times a season, I think he's going to come back and just keep playing until he gets it, which is going to be fun. Hopefully he's at the peak of his game when he does it. Uh, and hopefully Wayne Gretzky is there when it happens as well. That's going to be really fun to see. Like Alexander Ovechkin, 41-year-old player, scoring five, six goals in a season. And everyone's <laughs> all like, score the seventh. It's going to tie the record. Like, please do it. That's going to be really fun to see. For one of the uh, premier players of our generation, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in Alexander Ovechkin. I, I'm rooting for him to get this record. It's just something fun for everyone to watch for the NHL. And uh, we'll be following that over the next few years. It's going to be awesome. I really want it to be from when he breaks it from the power play, like on ESPN or TNT, like just a big moment, something like everyone will remember. You'll remember where you were when Ovechkin breaks Gretzky's record. And I hope the goal, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the goal you know, matches the moment because it's going to be an incredible moment. As for my tire pump, I mean, my favorite stories seem to be coming out of Columbus, weirdly, where the Blue Jackets are 2-0. and I mean, we had Patrick Laine showing off his personality with one of the best arrivals in NHL history. And we're getting arrivals here, too, with ESPN and TNT. We're getting cameras out there waiting for guys to come in, which is another NBA thing. Again, the script for TNT staying the same and working. Uh, they didn't have a camera on him, but we still got photos of him coming in with the most legendary getup I've ever seen. And I think he scored the overtime winner in that game as well. He did get that an overtime winner insane. this year. Just unbelievable. Like Bond villain, Patrick Laine, sign me up. Yes. But the best story for Columbus belongs to Elvis Merzlikens, who honored his friend and former goaltending partner, Matisse Kivlenix. Tough name, but we got to say it right. Yeah. I, missed, uh, I butchered a, it earlier. My apologies. I, I think I got it 
we're 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 gonna make sure we get that down because we you know he deserves that. Uh, he had a you know Merzlikens had a brilliant performance. He's been brilliant this year so far, and a touching tribute for his uh, his friend. He called the home opener his most important night, uh, and he had 36 saves in that victory. He's got a 9.48 on the season. I mean, this is a guy we're going to be rooting for, right? I think everyone's going to be rooting for Elvis Merzlikens to have a great year because this this goaltending partner, this colleague, this friend he had meant so much to him, means so much to the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. And uh, him honoring the legacy this year, I don't know if he's going to wear number 80 the entire year. Uh, he wore uh, Kiv Lennox jersey uh, for warm-up and then used his number for the home opener. I kind of hope he just wears it the entire time. We see the number 80 behind the net uh, in Columbus. This is a year for Kiv Lennox for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I hope that Merzlikens keeps it up, the Blue Jackets keeps it up, and they can celebrate uh, their friend all year long. I hope so, too. Uh, the Kiv Lennox story, obviously, being as tragic as it was, it's still really sad to process for not just for members of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization, but for the entire hockey world. And for Elvis to want to uh, do well for his friend is very touching and very inspiring to see Elvis to the point where he told the athletic straight up, Hey, I want to win the Vezina this year. Like this is clearly the year for him where he wants to be on a mission and, you know, just be one of the best goaltenders in the national hockey league. So yeah, you're right. We are going to be rooting for him. I think he's going to turn himself into one of the better stories this year. And uh, you can't help but think that uh, you, you can't help but not root for a guy. Uh, like Elvis Merzlikin. So uh, yeah, he's a very much, very, he's very much worthy of a tire pump. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think there's power in this. There's power in the most important night. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to see this be the most important season for Elvis Merzlikens, uh and the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's it for today. Um, the first Sunday, the regular season, the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. We flew through some topics. We're going to have to, might have to add another next week because want to make sure everyone gets their hockey fix. Um, but if you follow Julian McKenzie, you do get your hockey fix. Uh, you can pump things if you like right now beyond uh, – who did you tire pump? What terrible, uh, terrible, terrible memory here. Yeah, Alexander Ovechkin. Alexander Ovechkin. Pumps. Alexander Ovechkin yeah. is your tire pump. You can pump other things if you'd like, or uh, or we can wrap it up. But I know you got a lot that's going on. I know there's a lot to be excited about. So you can share anything you'd like uh, before we sign off. A uh, new Zone Time episode coming out later this week. We record, uh, well, episodes come out every Wednesday. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Johnston show twice a week. So we'll have an episode on Monday. Uh, tweet at Chris Johnston. Uh, pretty sure by the time you see this, uh, the episode might be already out or almost out. But, uh, you know, we uh, we got some cool things coming for that show. Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, Hockey Inside Out uh, also coming later this week uh, from the Montreal Gazette. And uh, I've got some things planned with The Athletic. Got some story ideas percolating. And uh, I got a column that uh, might be making its return later this week for The Athletic. So, uh, yeah, this week's actually turning into a pretty busy and pretty big week. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. But, uh, hey, always got a day on Sunday for you, JC. I got you. You know I got you Sunday mornings. I know. Uh, Another tease from the great Julian McKenzie. Follow him and follow his work on all the various platforms and and do what he says. Subscribe to the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, to Zone Time on YouTube. We're going to have great hockey content throughout the entire season from myself, from Julian, and our great team here at Yahoo Sports. Julian, until next Sunday. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.